Okay. Welcome back to Insights, episode 33. I am with Earthy, who's about to go to LBS. And uh, hope you enjoyed part one. Very cool stuff. Uh, just to kind of catch everybody up in case you do listen to this in parts. Uh, we have a, a very big decision of going from one school, which is Cambridge, to applying to six schools, which is going to diversify risk, but also bring in some really exciting opportunities like LBS and NTN. Um, the recognition uh, by Earthy that she does have you know, really cool stories to tell uh, and that she can be competitive for these uh, amazing programs and that stories are really the key to this process, not necessarily being, quote unquote, the most accurate uh, response to a question, meaning the most difficult decision. It's just a difficult decision. And how do you measure risk and opportunity, et cetera, and of course, be interesting in that process. So that was the question that kind of started the crisis. And we had just gotten to that part of the uh, process where we finalize the core and you're uh, modifying them to fit all these different schools. So you're able to do six different applications in a matter of weeks, right? All right. So for a lot of people, that sounds insane, but it is totally possible if you really know what you're doing and you really have great core and you're really strategic in this process. Um, but I think for a lot of listeners, they think, oh, well, that's the hard part, but it's really, really not. A piece of paper is not the most terrified thing that's ever going to happen to you. A piece of A4 cannot yell at you. It doesn't have even have any probing questions. Uh, it doesn't stare at you like you're uninteresting or whatever. So uh, a piece of paper is a safe space. An interview is a dangerous space. Um, it's exciting and there's a lot of opportunity, but it's also very, very scary. So for us, that's always the most important because applications get you interviews, interviews get you acceptances. So, um, you know, every week for 12 weeks, you started preparing for the interview process. Um, can you describe that mentality and that experience where you started to shift from the written part that you had been stressed out about for so many months, and now you start worrying about the verbal part? Yes, so I think before knowing you, I've never thought about how crucial the interview part were. Like, I just think that the hardest part is to write something down to the application, not knowing that the real deal will begin in the interviewing sessions. So um, during the 12 weeks, I think that it was such a regular session that I, I have had because like every week on Sunday, I have to sit with you and other friends for three hours of trying to get like the best response and also to learn about other people techniques on how they answer the questions as well. So it, I think the 12 week is super long, but it covered pretty much everything. So you teach us everything from the beginning, like how to greet the interviewer, what are the techniques to calm ourselves down to the end, like um, how how to say goodbye or how to write an like thank you email after the interview, those kind right. of small details you have covered. But I think the most important things for the interview session that we've been practiced for 12 weeks was that it allow us to get familiarized with our story though the stories are of our own but it is it's very 
difficult to say it out loud. Like it's very, there are totally different things between writing it down in a paper and speaking it out to the interviewer. So get to practicing those stories for 12 weeks helps a lot because it helped me to, to know my story by heart. And when the interview questions come, I know right away which uh, story that I should pick and, and choose, you know, like to answer the questions. Right. But, and I, I thank you for all of that. And for people listening, they're like, well, of course, you know, your stories, but the thing is you don't, <laughs> you know, because a project may have taken you six months and you only get five minutes. So you don't know which parts to tell. Um, in fact, we call it the curse of knowledge. You know way too much about your story to be able to tell it effectively. Um, or sometimes for people, if it's two or three years ago, you don't remember certain parts that well. But yeah, you, you have to remember the exact way you want to tell it verbally, which, as you point out, is going to be different from the way you wrote it down. They can't be identical. You don't read them an essay for five minutes, um, especially some of these essays are, are non-blind. So they've already read your uh, or interviews are non-blind because they've read your essays. So uh, you do have to be able to tell it. It is going to be more dynamic, more interesting, probably more concise. You know, a 500 word essay in the actual answer, you may only talk for 400 or 450. So it is a different version. Um, and you have to get comfortable telling it for all the different questions, as you mentioned. Um, I also love that you said that you were able to, you know, it's a group of six people and you're able to learn from them as well. You know, you pick up some habits from those people. Um, can you tell us about that? What is that like? Yes. Yeah, so um, everyone has a their own different styles. Someone like to talk, someone they might be reluctant of like telling their story and to, to witnessing those different styles really helped me to like learn about what I should do and what I shouldn't do. Mm. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, that's great. Uh, and yeah, as you point out, it can be either one. It could be, Oh, that's cool. Uh, and I, already do it. So I'm going to keep doing it. Um, or I don't do it yet, but I'd like to integrate it. But also you see people make mistakes and go, okay, that's a mistake. I shouldn't do that. Especially when we point out why it's a mistake or why it's risky, why it's a dangerous response. Um, and I think that's what's cool is because the, one of the reasons we've always said we do group is because if you did nothing but private, you couldn't possibly make every mistake that exists. You know, you, you can't, but if you're around five different people uh every sunday for like you said three hours you are other people will make mistakes that you might have and you do get to learn from that as well and so you're constantly saying yes i want to do that no i, I don't want to do that or uh we also go through the part where it's like which questions on the excel sheet or questions from the gmat club or from your friends and so everybody brings this different experience this different approach um and like you said a different style some people are really talkative. Some people are quiet. Most people are in the middle. Uh, and so, so yeah. And I'm just out of curiosity, how did you feel about your group? Did you feel like you were matched well? Were you all similar? Were you all very different? And that was a good thing? Or what was, what was your particular group like? I love all of them. Uh, I'm so, so cool. glad I got to know all of these people because, you know, like 
sitting with them for 12 weeks, we get to learn each other's stories a lot. And I think that makes us bond at mm. some level because we have to go through all of this difficulty of the challenges that we might have throughout this journey. And I, I would say that I make a lot of friends, not just from my group, but from other groups as well. So whenever I go to like a networking event for schools or maybe right now for the consulting company that I have to start doing networking, I'm, I'm one of the cool person who know everyone. In every, <laughs> I've made a lot of friends through the interview groups with right. you. Yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, I do. I love our network. We have a really good group of sort of a mix of Forbes lists and uh, scholars and then, of course, everything in between. But uh, but yeah, you do see each other making the rounds. And um, and I know your goal is MBB. And so I just had a former client reach out and tell me that they were starting recruiting early for an MBB. And I thought you I mean, I think you're going to be great at it and you're a great fit. So I was able to connect you right away. And I know that's an exciting opportunity, but also it's fun because we do put people in subgroups, right? So you're in an, you're in a, a subgroup with him and then some other people that I thought were a good fit. Um, and so there's the big group, as you point out, and then your interview group and then uh, these other subgroups that come and go as, as they need to. Uh, but yeah, it is really good networking. And these are, you're going to have a great network at LBS for sure. Uh, and LBS also networks with Oxford and Cambridge, uh, which is nice. Uh, so there's a combined network for those three schools. But the cool thing about the the big line group is these people are all over the world. So you're going to have people um, going to every school. If you decided to study abroad for a semester at Columbia, there are 13 people at Columbia. You know what I mean? So uh, it's this... Uh, I think that network is really going to serve you really well for the rest of your life. Um, and and that's a great feeling uh, just to have all those people just from the application process. You haven't even gone to school yet, right? So, um, so that's really neat. Uh, so I'm glad that they were able to contribute and you love the people you worked with. Can we maybe go to the that final moment of truth where you start to get these interviews uh, and you have to go from group interview, then you do some mock interviews one-on-one, -on -one, and then you're doing the real thing. How did the order work out for you? Was it your dream school first and your matches last or the other way around? Or how did it go? I remember LBS was the last and then Imperial Perfect. was the first. It was Perfect. Imperial, Yale, um, um, Oxford, Cambridge, and then LBS. So That's awesome. It's nice because Imperial is a less pressure school, so I got to practice to like to be in the real situation. Right. Uh, yeah. So, but but before everything, I have to really learn about the interview format for each school because they they have their own different um, small little things that are different from school to school, and that I have to learn about it before. Mm. So. For example, Yale, I think I quite like the format of Yale because it it's very standardized. So the school trying to make every interview for every candidate to be as standardized as possible. So they will have the list of questions and the list of order that like everyone get to ask the same questions at the same order. And that really helped to maybe like um, prevent some of the bias or limit 
some of the uncontrollable factors that might have. So for, for Yale, even though it's the second school, but I don't feel that terrified knowing that the questions is going to be quite standard interview question that I may have seen it before. And was yours a current student interviewing you? It was a second year student. Yes. Second year student. I think that's actually why they made it more standardized is they, once you start using students instead of alumni or ad comms, you do have to make it more standardized if you want to make it fair, because, you know, they're, they're, they're not seasoned interviewers. They haven't had a ton of experience and a ton of practice. So they do give you more structure now. And they have a quote, right? They ask, they ask you to submit a quote ahead of time. And then they mention it during the interview. Yes, they mentioned I got to prepare. Like I work on with Pinik, my consultant. Um, right. By the way, shout out to him. Um, he's the best. Yeah, he's and, awesome. Yeah, so I I work a lot with him. Like, which quote should I pick, and which story that I should tell in relate in relation to the quote submitted. I love it. I love that uh, you and Nick both. I worked with Nick. I mean, Nick works with us, but I worked with him on his Harvard application a decade ago or whatever. So I've known him forever. Um, And so he has really good habits, obviously. Um, But I love that it's not just about the quote. Some people think, oh, I'll just quote Gandhi and call it a day. Uh, But they're not ready to talk about it. And that's a bad idea, right? So the quote is super important, but simultaneously you need to be thinking about what you think it may lead into or bridge into. So um, that's great preparation. Great job uh, from from Nick. And and of course, during group interview, you also worked with Carl and Fernie and, and met everybody. And, uh, you know, it's very much a, a team effort. Um, and you get all these different, well, I mean, it's the same strategies from everybody. Uh, we're very much on the same page, but it is nice that you can get these different people and, and different uh, insights uh but yeah nick's awesome and so you were able to get ready for yale know what's coming that's a really nice second interview uh that you're a little bit calmer because you know what's going to happen and not to be rude to second year students but it's not as intimidating as interviewing with the dean of admissions right so uh, i think that's a nice order of operations we got imperial uh great experience then we get yale uh, yale's a top 10 school i mean it's amazing but as you point out, it's more structured and it's a second year student. So that keeps the pressure a little bit lower for a top 10. Um, and then what was next? Oh, then I think I was wrong the first time. I think the next one is INSEAD. Okay. And I got to do two interviews for INSEAD, which I was so nervous about it because the interview took at least an hour-ish. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know what what are the questions that I will get? Right. No, NCAD is one of those schools that I tell people, uh, a lot of people don't apply because I think other companies charge more because it's a really hard application, but so is LBS, so is Oxford, so Cambridge, they're all hard. So we treat all schools the same. So a lot of people will avoid NCAD because of the number of questions um, and maybe the effort or cost associated with that. But it's a great school to apply to, not only because it's number one in the and Financial Times, but you get two interviews with alumni and they are more experienced. So these are people that compared to Yale, you've now stepped up uh, to more experienced alumni and the two people will have very different personalities a lot. Um, How did you feel about your NCADs? Were they similar? Were they different? What was the vibe? 
well at first i was so terrified because i heard a lot of like bad things from instead interview <laughs> like uh, someone told me that they might play like good cop bad cop one yep. would be extremely nice but one is such a so bad yes yeah yeah, yeah. so i was so terrified and i was like kind of freak out before going into the interview but then the show must go on so i yep. start the interview but su surprisingly the first interviewer that i've got he was so nice and it might be his first time doing the interview oh it was not structured at all it's kind of like um like a conversational interview and he also like at one point he ran out of question and then he told me to maybe tell something that i haven't told him yet and nice. that was yeah that that, that was easy but, but see let yeah. me let me point out real quickly that was easy for you i think yeah. for most people that would be much harder because if they're not good at it you have to be you know if they don't know if they run out of questions you have to come up with stories so i would say for people that haven't practiced a lot you know i know everybody's scared of the like super interviewer eileen of harvard or whatever but i would be just as scared of somebody that's never done this before because they have no idea what they're doing and that means you have to be even better at it because you have to play your role and theirs so i think it's really fortunate that you were as practiced as you were because you could get through a conversational interview and even take advantage of a just tell me a story question, which I think can be pretty intimidating. Yeah, so I at that point, I think I quite know all the strategy and know the like what the interview is all about. So mm -hmm. it was pretty easy for me to maybe point out or maybe control the conversation a little bit. Awesome. Yes, but for the second interviewer, she is so experienced. Um, one of my friends have already like did interview with her before so mm. she's super structured and she also asked me some question that is not a standard interview question so i like to point out that when you preparing your interview you also not just like practicing all the standard interview question but you also have to think about some question that you might get that is maybe specific to you um, for example, like I got the, the question that because I work in the rig assurance department, I deal with a lot of regulation and compliance. And she asked me like, do you think that um, the things that you do will limit the company's growth and creativity? Because mm. everyone has to abide by like regulations and rules and those kind of things. But I was so lucky that at one point of my preparation, I think I have thought about this before. I don't know if it comes from you or Nick, or I just thought about it by myself. So mm -hmm. I was so fortunate because I already have the answer for that. It's not something nice. you have to make up on the fly during the interview. It is right. Yeah, that's awesome. But no, that's a really good question. And as and that's very good advice is you have to be prepared for the ask questions that are tailored just for you. Um, especially that's why I think preparing for the Cambridge interview can be really helpful because it's uh, a technical interview. They use your resume and just it, if it's a professor, they usually go point by point and it's really tailored to you. Um, but yeah, that's a great question. And it's a negative question. Well, 
most people would perceive it as a negative question. You can flip it into a positive really easily. Um, but uh, as we talked about, that from the very beginning, we said a moment ago, when you make a decision, do you only look at the opportunity? Or are you also thinking about the risk? And that's what she was asking you. You know, are you looking at when you force compliance and you are super careful, um, does that limit, does that have any downside, right? That's it. It's upside downside. Um, so pretty basic business question, but you're right. A lot of people probably wouldn't have thought about that. So um, I don't know that, I mean, you ask where did that come from? I think it probably came from you because we talk about literally, we talk about categories, you know, not just specific questions because you can't talk about every possible question in the world. But I don't think we ever asked you that exact question, but it's just the concept of, is there any downside to some actions that you've taken? Um, so that's really cool that you had already thought about it and were able to handle that question. Um, okay, so how did you feel about those two interviews? It wasn't good cop, bad cop, but it was inexperienced and very experienced. Uh, did you like that order? The easier one first, the harder one second? Um, not particularly, but looking back at it now, I think I love the interview of INSEAD the most because I got two hours to present myself, to tell all of my story until it ran out. Right. Yep. That's so funny because I promise you in November, you wouldn't have felt that way. Nobody wants to talk for an hour. So it's so funny to hear you say, I got to talk for an hour until I ran out of stories. That's everybody's biggest fear that you liked it. So that's awesome. I love it. Um, but uh, but yeah, once you get confident and you have a bunch of great stories and great strategies, you want to use them. Uh, so very cool. Uh, and then after NCAD, what was next? It was, um, I don't sure, um, maybe uh, Oxford. Okay. Yeah. Um, and do you remember if that was uh, Adcom or alum? It was Adcom, but she's not. She no longer works in the Adcom department in anymore. But she's someone who used to work in the Adcom department, but she now working in other section. But she still helped the Adcom to do the interview, so she got experienced. Cool, um, and. This is something that used to happen when they did in-person stuff. Basically, if you decided to go to Oxford or Cambridge, you could guarantee yourself an adcom. Uh, and then if you did it online, uh, it was going to be an alum. And so people would kind of make the best decision for them because different people want different things. Um, but, uh, but adcom interview, do you like it after having just done alumni? I, I think um, I like it because I think they know what they do and they tend to stick to the, the list of questions more. I, I, I just feel like they are more structured because they are more mm. experienced. And okay. yeah, and I remember Oxford, it was super positive interview because I know right away that she liked me. I know that I can get into Oxford like 100%, if not with scholarship, because of her following up questions and her response to my story. It was so nice. positive. Right. Yes. And, That's awesome. And, and the other things that I recommend everyone to do is to do a lot of school research. Uh, for mm. me, I think I got a plus point from Oxford because I, like one of the questions asked was what I want to do if I got to be in Oxford. Uh, 
and I told her that I want to join the Oxford Union Club, which is like a a very famous debating club at Oxford. And I told her like um I want to do it because it's not usual from my culture, Thai culture, to have someone challenging one another and those kind of things. So I think that she really liked the answer. Yeah, so, that's a great one. Yeah. So do a lot of school research. You can never do enough of school research. I think that that is the sentence we tell everybody. There's no such thing as too much. So yep, because uh, you can always, if you're worried about, for example, you said the hour long interview. If you ever run out of things to say about yourself, you can always talk about the school. So school research is is very important. And like you said, it got you such a good feedback. Um, you know, just and I assume you're talking about facial expressions, body language. Um, probing questions, but just all that positive feedback. And then you really feed off that energy in the interview. So, um, but yeah, people love when you, of course they want you to do school research. Uh, and that's everybody, you know, alumni probably the most uh, because they're really proud of where they went to school. So they want you to really want to go to that school. Uh, so school research is super important. Uh, but yeah, an adcom that's been doing this for a long time, they want to feel like you're in love with Oxford. And it's true. I think that's the other thing I want to point out. Just because you're going to LBS doesn't mean you don't love Oxford. Oxford's amazing. Right? Yes. So um, it. it's not like you were faking it. <laughs> like Yale is great. INSEAD is great. Oxford is great. These are all amazing schools. So at no point are you lying about your school's awesome. They are awesome. Yes. Exactly. I love every school. I really want to go to every school if possible. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's the feeling you should have walking into every interview. And again, that's why we apply to a bunch of schools. Um, because also you're not terrified. Imagine you only had one interview for one school that you applied to and everything is writing on that moment. You'd have a heart attack. Um, yes. So um, having all these different interviews is awesome. Uh, and of course, not everybody gets to have as much success as you had where you know you're interviewing at, at, at all these schools but um but regardless you should still interview at several and that does kind of help lower your heart rate a little bit um and then make sure that you have all your school research uh ready and that you really are emotionally invested in that school um because they can see that they can feel that uh, as you're doing those things and as you pointed out in interview, we talk about the first moment of introducing yourself all the way to that. Do you have any questions for me all the way to the, the thank you email? And, you know, you, you have to perform uh, from the very beginning to the very end. Uh, and I think school research is a great way to do that. So that's fantastic advice. So you mentioned that everything's called from the beginning to the end. Every gesture count, even though it's on or off record. So you have to make sure that you do everything right. That's yep. what you always tell us. Yeah, no, that's great advice too. Uh, because people will often, instead of like reading the website about IELTS scores, they'll just email the adcom and say, hey, what about this? And it's three o'clock in the morning and they make three grammar mistakes. They're going to remember that. All they have to do is press print and stick it in your folder. So you, you can't mess up at any point talking to anybody. You can't mess up your thank you email. You can't mess up your uh, setting up your interview, right? There's, you have to exchange emails to even schedule an interview. And with alumni, sometimes it's several. And you have to decide, are you going to type in Thai and English? Are you going to, 
for example, are you going to why? Are you going to speak in Thai for a few seconds before the interview starts? When it ends, are you going to do Thai chat, chit chat? Um, how much of it is Western style? And then how much of it is, uh, you know, Thai tradition? And, and you do have to balance. I mean, you have to think about everything. All of these things matter. Uh, so, yeah, literally everything matters. <laughs> so, um you, you do have to do it all. Well, I think I was about to say you have to do it all perfectly. And that, that's not quite true um, because there are so many components. You do not have to be perfect every second. And that, I think, will help you relax. During an hour long INSEAD interview, you're allowed to have a couple of minutes of not being at your best, right? Because it's an hour long. Um, and you're going to have so many highlight moments that you can have a couple of light, low lights, uh, as long as they're not like bad, bad. You can basically have some in the middle moments. So, but yeah, it is a very holistic process. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that you recognize that we're able to take advantage of that. Uh, and so we got Oxford down. And so now all this is leading up to, is there something before LBS or was LBS next? No, it's Cambridge next. Cambridge. Okay. Did you get a professor interview? I get a professor interview and I was so lucky that my professor didn't ask any difficult technical question at all. Really? Uh, yes. Oh, maybe he asked like quite a few, but I wasn't remembered at all at this point. So I remember right. he asked me like, why Cambridge as the first question. So mm -hmm. that allowed me to kind of like bombarding him all the reason that I love about Cambridge and those kind of things. So it took around like 15 minutes, like half of the interview that I talking nonstop. Nice. And, How great Cambridge is. Yeah. And I also told him so many times that Cambridge was my dream school to the point that he told me that he heard me the first time and he'll make sure to tell the adcom that I love Cambridge so much. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. But also, if we go back a few months, Cambridge was the school you were stressing out about. So, I mean, yeah, it, this was a big deal. This is a big moment. Um, so uh, it's great that he was conveying that. And, man, I love it that he let that slip. He's not the one making the decision. All he's doing is writing you a letter of recommendation that goes to the admissions committee. So understanding what the interview even achieves. I think not everybody understands that part, right? But it's an extra letter of recommendation with certain information in it. Um, but it's it's uh, very important, obviously. It, it plays a huge role. Um, and professor interviews are usually more technical. Cambridge is famous for it. Um, but uh, And so for a lot of people, they are... Well, it depends. Uh, for people that love behavioral, they don't like technical. For people that are better at technical, behavioral is what terrifies them. Hopefully, our clients are good at everything. Um, but it is nice that uh, that you don't feel like your guy was overly aggressive or overly challenging. All right. So there. So dream school. The way the story all started. Got Cambridge application. Obviously, you answered the question about di most difficult decision. You answered it well enough to get an interview. And then you had this great interview. What a wonderful feeling. And so, so far, we have Oxford. We have Cambridge. We have Yale. We have Imperial. We have INSEAD. I mean, these are world-class schools. And it's all leading up to, I think, people, in, people uh, 
kind of tie NCAD and LBS for me. I like LBS better, which you definitely know because I say it constantly, but um, I love LBS. I, I think it's tied with Kellogg. I think it's number five in the world. I think it's a phenomenal school, um, but it is also a very challenging interview because not, I mean, just in general, it's a top five school, but also they have the case study that makes it really unique. Um, so can you tell us about LBS? Yes, so I have to say that LBS is the most terrified interview that I have. And I think that I wasn't at my best self that day for several reasons. So one thing is that the interview that I have had before were conducted in an online format. While for LBS, the interviewer requested me to be at Starbucks which in my entire life, I've never speak English at a public school. <laughs> yeah, all. right? Yeah. And, I have, and there were a lot of people at Starbucks that day, and I remember seeing eyes constantly look at me, wondering yeah. what I was doing, and they may judge my English at some point or something. So yeah. it was such a distraction. Yeah, and, I hate Starbucks yeah. interviews, but they're super common. Yeah, and the second reason that I think it really affects my performance is that I did a investigation, like background check on my interviewer before the interview day. And like, and I, it turned out that she's only a year older than me and that she have a mutual friend with me because in Thailand, like everyone knows everyone, right? right. And yeah. I, I, I asked my friend like how she is and she told me that the interviewer is the best i mean she's the best of her university she's the best of lbs and that she can be intimidating sometimes mm. but you better prepare for your interview and and the case um interview and everything and mm. i that really make me terrified and make me felt so small so i wasn't mm. at my best self of on that day so like so you I, I intimidated yeah i felt so intimidating before, which is so unnecessary, but it's something that really happened to me. Maybe okay. because LBS is my dream school, so I kind of feel like I cannot miss miss up. But right. and everything is so intimidating at that point. But I'm not sure. Like, do you have like a recommendation, like whether we should looking up at our interviewer or? No, I mean, that's a constant question people have: is how much should you stalk your interviewer? And it's tough because not everybody. Too much information can do what it did to you, right? It can be paralyzing. Um, I would say you should always do some, but there is such a thing as too much. You should know, for example, what industry they work in, because if they work in your industry, they're likely to ask technical questions. They're going to be much more familiar with the stories you're telling. They're going to say, what about this or what about that, right? But if they come from a totally different industry, you may need to slow down and be more detailed and more nuanced and and give them more context, right? Um or even, for example, your soft story. Uh, if you see on their uh, pages that they care about the same things you care about, that's a connection. Um, if they're from a totally different socioeconomic class, if they grew up in the United States and have barely lived in Thailand, that's important information that will help you kind of navigate. But ultimately, my, my main belief is that you should just always be your best self. And if you're always your best self, that works for everybody. 
It works for ad comms from other countries. It works from ties that are a year older than you. It works for second year students. It works for ties that are 10 years older than you. If you are your best self, because again, proactive, not reactive, right? I'm going to go in and be my best self and they can be whatever they want. <laughs> so, um, and if you go in with that kind of swagger, that kind of confidence, I think you will be at your best, but we're human. So saying that and doing that are admittedly different things. Um, and we're all going to respond differently. I would think doing LBS last would make you super confident because you had crushed, I mean, five schools, but six interviews. So you're super uh, successful at this point. But also it kind of builds the anticipation uh, with your dream school sitting there right at the end. And it can make you put more pressure on yourself. So I mean, the reality is you do have to manage your emotions. Uh, we do have to meditate. I mean, I've, we've had literally, we've had meditation teachers and yoga teachers teach stuff and just how to be present and stuff like that because um, you, you really just have to be in the moment. You can't be thinking about five minutes ago um, or you're going to be bad right now. You can't be thinking about five minutes later or you're not going to be doing your best at this moment either. So, you know, being present, I know that's a very common phrase, but in an interview, it's ultra important, right? You can't fix the past um, and you can't stress out about what is to come. Um, so I don't know if that's too much information. I mean, hearing from your friend, she's awesome. I don't know that that's too much information. Uh so I, I don't think you stalked her too much. I mean, we've I've had people do that. but And let me also say for everybody out there, interviewers respond to it differently. Some interviewers are flattered when you know stuff about them. And some people find it creepy. <laughs> you know, like it just depends. So uh, I personally, the, the amount of information I want is where did they go to school? Where do they work? What is their industry? Maybe where do they graduate from? Like what's their major? Because intellectually, I want to know what's their foundation for the conversation we're having. And then culturally, you know, did they grow up in Thailand and go to Thai school and, uh, and, and Chula and Thomasat? Or are they prep school kids that have lived abroad their whole life? I think that is about the amount of information I would want to know. Uh, but it is hard to keep yourself from doing a lot of research on, on your dream school. I mean, that's kind of a natural thing. Uh, but I think I'm, I would also be glass half full. And I would say, I like great interviewers. I want, for example, I love interview when people interview with Eileen from Harvard. She is, she and Donna Levinson from MIT. And before that, Rod Garcia from MIT. There's also the Dean of Admissions of LBS interviewed one of my guys many years ago. It was an hour and a half. He was fantastic. Um, I like interviewing with the best people out there because you're going to rise to the occasion. You know, it's kind of like sports where, where great competitors bring out the best in you. And I think great interviewers can do that as well. But it is a mindset. It's convincing yourself, I'm ready for this. I'm good at this. And I'll be just as good at this as she is. Um, but of course, in the moment, that can be really hard to do. So, in fact, I wasn't going to get into this, but if you don't mind, you know, not every interview is perfect, but that's not the end of the process, right? So um, now we know that you are going to LBS in a month or whatever. So we know what's going to happen, but do you mind telling us about 
the experience leading up to this. So like you said, the LBS interview may not have been your best performance. You've had six interviews up to this point with five different schools, but LBS was maybe not your best performance. Can you tell us what happened next? Yes. So as a result, at that point, I really know that interview is really matters because I end up got waitlisted for LBS, which is totally my dream school. Even mm. though the five school that I I got accepted are all my dream school, but after- <laughs> you can have a lot of dream schools, right? Yeah. Yeah, but after so much of reflection, I know that LBS is is the school that I really want to be. So, and I was so shocked at that point that I got waitlisted because I've never got rejected or got waitlisted for any school before. So it was such a shocking moment for me. So what I did is that I reached out to Pinik, my consultant, immediately, telling him like the problem that I have right now, and also like also maybe at a, at one point I also talked to him about giving up on LBS. But, but we do a lot of reflection and kind of balancing, waiting between the school, and it turned out that LBS is still the best. Um, answer for me so with Nick I decided to uh, continue the journey to fight one step more and that I also reach out to you telling you the fact that I got waitlisted to LBS and what should I do and um, you told me about yeah like you helping me doing order letters like yeah. basically I have to reach out to the waitlist uh, manager of LBS, writing some email to grab her attention again. Yeah. Yes. So you you help me writing those letters, which I think is really is really funny because the letter is kind of like telling the adcom how cool I am, what are my success rate of getting into other school with a bunch of scholarships, yep. and I I have like very cool professional experience kind of like brag them and letting them know that they have done something wrong yeah i mean that's what we're implying you got it wrong get it right let me in (laughs) yes so that one letter got me into another interviewing session with the waitlist manager so Mm -hmm. um it's like i i sent an email to her and then i got respond like one or two days after that and then be able to arrange a session within like five days or something, which was very quick. And then the session is not only about me asking about the um, waitlist process, but it's more of like she asking me an interview question all over again, like yeah. why LBS? Uh, what do you think that you're gonna contribute to LBS? And also my goal, which is something that I've already told a hundred times to like in other interview and i just have to do this again just to like kind of like assured her that i'm really a cool person that you should let me in or something like that and then um and i also request to have a very quick response from the school because at that point there are deposits deadline from other school like Cambridge or INSEAD coming up. So I cannot wait that long. I have like a week for LBS to respond. Otherwise, um, I will not go to LBS at all because I have to pay for other school. 
Right. Uh, yeah. And, and, and in the end, she able to respond me back within like four days, which I think is very unusual. It's very um, speedy process that LBS um, had because uh, I talked to my friend who got into waitlist as well. That process sounds a lot more difficult than mine and it took a lot more time for them. So I don't sure like, um, is it normal for school to respond this quickly or what are the usual um, waitlist process? No, it's a great question. And uh, thank you so much for explaining exactly what you went through and how you did it. Uh, it I mean, it, it's very nuanced. It really comes down to how badly do you want the school? Do you want to promise to attend? Are you willing to, you definitely, uh, I mean, you do elevator pitch, which is I'm the I'm super cool, I'm awesome part, right? You should be letting me in. But also people want things they can't have. And so you say, you, you bra- it's like a restaurant that has a long line out front, right? So you do that by saying, look, I got into all these other schools and they're great. You know, I'm very proud of those achievements. Um, and I got scholarships. Uh, but, and if you're willing to say this, you say it, you say, but the, the, not only is LBS my first choice, LBS is my first choice over this top ranked school and 20,000 pounds, you know? Um, so, I mean, you literally tell them to what degree you want their school. And I think that is why your process was a few days when for other people, it's a few months, right? So, um, you had a lot more leverage, which is, this is all the success I've had, which is the other reason why you apply to six schools and not one, or you have no leverage. Um, but even, I always tell people, get into Imperial because you can use that scholarship to get a scholarship from Oxford, and you can use that scholarship to get a scholarship from Cambridge. Um, so, I mean, you can use these schools to help you kind of climb the ladder, right? Um, and I think that's, it was just really important. It was like, all right, let's immediately jump on a phone call because I need to know your exact circumstances. What are your exact preferences? How badly do you want this? And that's going to determine how hard we push. Um, and uh, and are you willing, for example, because this is when things get really tough. It's not hard to say, do I like LBS better than Oxford or Cambridge or maybe even INSEAD, even though they're really close in rankings. You can decide that. Deciding, do I like LBS with $0 scholarship more than Oxford with $30,000 scholarship, then things start to get complicated, right? So you are, people are having to make really tough decisions at this stage in the process. The way you handle the wait list is based entirely on how that played out for you, right? How did you feel? Do you suddenly want the one-year program with $30,000 free? Because LBS is 15 to 21 months, right? So you do have to do some math. You got to think about your life choices and uh, living experiences and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, once you have told me those answers, then we can craft a push letter is what it's called um, to, uh, to make sure that they're paying attention. You do it instantly before they are getting the waitlist letters from everybody else. It's not about I need a recommendation from a famous person. It's about, well, it's also about you, for example. For example, you were a really strong candidate, good GMAT, good GPA. It was easy to just say, I'm awesome, and yet I still choose you. That's what we were saying. We we're saying, I promise to attend because schools cannot let you in because they're afraid you don't want to go because they don't want to mess up their acceptance numbers, right? Their conversion numbers is what it is. Um, 
So sometimes it's that. We had somebody else with a 660 pushing in and we did it a very different way, right? Because they're coming from a different uh, perspective. Um, and both of you were successful, but we did it differently. Uh, so I think it really just comes down to the candidate. And, um, but you have to evaluate everybody case by case and you have to read the mind of the school <laughs> and figure out what is it they're scared of. Are they scared that I'm too weak? Are they scared that I'm too strong? Are they scared that I'm too young? Are they scared that I'm too old? Are they scared that I have a common industry or an uncommon industry? I mean, you have to figure out everything and then write a perfect letter because you don't get a lot of space, right? I mean, this push letter was a few hundred words. Uh, and in a few hundred words, you have to address every single concern that you think they have. And of course, if you've done this a lot, you're pretty good at guessing. Um, uh, and so you just read their minds, you address their concerns, you make those promises, like I guarantee I'll attend, even if there's no scholarship or whatever the case, whatever level you want to say, but you definitely brag about what you got offered for sure. Um, and, and then when they say, okay, let, can we jump on a phone call? Most people get terrified because they're not good at interviewing and you are like, yeah, Let's jump on a call tomorrow. Let's do this right away. I am ready. Let's go. Because it is going to be an interview, but it is a final interview. Um, and it is going to test a couple of things. Given your GMAT score and your profile, uh, I was pretty confident that yours was mostly uh, an issue of will you attend and uh are you going to be a strong alum? That's why the goals were so important, right? Um, so are you guaranteeing that you're going to come here? And are you going to go out and do amazing things and make us look good? That's basically what they wanted to know. And so you address those things in the letter. And then the interview, of course, followed that up uh, with a lot of uh, school fit. Uh, and, then, and then goals. And as you said, it felt like a final interview because that's what it was. It was a final interview. Uh, and... Also, you got to show, I know a lot of people want to be really soft and, and be like, please, 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 or take your time or blah, blah, blah. But that makes you sound weak. <laughs> so it depends on your, again, if you're on the 660 end versus the 700 plus end. But given your acceptances and your scholarships uh, and the looming deadlines for deposits, uh, of course, we asked you, are you willing to say, you know, do you want to say these things? And you said, yeah. Um, and so we said, here's the deal. I need an, I, I, you are my first choice, but these deadlines are, are coming up and, and I would love to get a response as soon as possible. And I think that showed that you're confident, you're assertive, you have other options, but LBS was your first choice. And so we're talking about the waitlist process only lasted a week for you or something. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's so funny. Like, I I talk an hour in an hour in my first interview and I couldn't get in, but I talk only fifteen minutes and I can. Get <laughs> yep, but it was a perfect fifteen minutes, right? The first hour you were talking about anything and everything, and you were nervous and right. You went in intimidated. You knew you weren't at your best, but we weren't done. We had a thank you email. Then we got waitlisted. We had a push. Then we had another phone call, and you're not done until you're done. You know what I mean? Like this process is all in, which now's a good time to point out. That's one of the many, many reasons we only do all inclusive, because can you imagine if we said, oh, we don't do weightless management that costs extra? Like 
then it's, man, you come this far and they're not going to help you get over the finish line. That's awful. Um, I personally, I couldn't even do it. So like I said, we don't have it as an option because I couldn't, I couldn't say no. Um, so we're all in, you're all in, and it just has to be a fully comprehensive process because until they say yes, I mean, we often say until you're on the plane, we're not done. You know, uh, that's why you and I talked a few days ago, right? The MBB guy reached out and was like, hey, you have any really awesome people? I said, yeah, let me introduce you to Earthy. Um, so we're not done. Uh, we're having this conversation, but also if something came up right before you left uh, and you wanted to meet someone or network with somebody and realistically, even after you're gone, we'll continue to do those things. But, um, you know, this process is not about getting some essays done and clicking submit and calling it a day. And I think for a lot of people out there listening or a lot of uh, people that have heard their friends work with other consultants, that is what it feels like. You know, it's it's a written process. And then once it's done, it's done. Um, and that's totally not how we do things. And you're a perfect example of why we can't we don't do it like that. Um, those other schools are fantastic. That's awesome. But LBS is a life changing thing. And it just took one more push letter and a 15 minute phone call, like you said. And that's ultimately what it came down to. Right. Yeah. Four thousand word application two recommendations, months of interview coaching, five other acceptances. And it all came down to one email and one phone call. It's crazy. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I tell everybody. I tell everybody we're working with, but I also tell my team all the time, every moment matters. You just, you treat every moment just as important as the one that preceded it and the one that's coming next. You've got to be on all the time. And I, for other consults, I've seen a lot of consulting companies come and go uh, in my years, like literally come into existence and then go out. Um, but even people that have kind of come in, they burn out, which is understandable. This is super stressful. It's hard to get so emotionally invested in your clients every year and to care so deeply about whether they get in or not. You know, we feel what, I mean, I can't say that we feel what you feel, but we feel a lot. Uh, this is not just business for us. And so people do burn out. And I tell them, you've got to move on. The moment you stop caring, the moment this becomes just a job to you, do something else. Because this is not just a job to the applicant. This is their whole life. And if you can't treat it the way they feel about it, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, so like this is just way too important. Uh, and it, you're a perfect example this was really late in the season, it would have been really easy to be like, I'm on vacation, I'm on a beach somewhere, I'm done, you know, um, but you don't, you can't. Uh, you have to immediately get back into work mode and craft these perfect push letters. Um, and of course, we didn't have to do anything to prepare you for the phone call, you were great. I mean, you already had all those skills, but one email, one phone call. So very very cool i mean we've been talking for an hour and a half thank you so much for your time but i just love the start to finish at the very beginning you're applying to one school which is just cambridge you're doing it with somebody that's really not that invested and just kind of going through the motions and then we talk about how big of this issue is all these core essays all these schools it gets really big for most of our conversation today 
And then right here at the end, you realize it all comes down to one email and one phone call. And now you're going to LBS. Yes, beautiful story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I know I love it. I loved getting to be a part of it. I have loved getting to know you and, and be friends with you over this time period and, and meet you at a really vulnerable moment. You know, November is such a, December is such a terrifying moment for people. Um, and getting to meet you at that time and, and like you said, tell you it's all going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Um, and now it's July and everything is fine. See, I've told you. Um, so it, it all works out. But I mean, what a wonderful experience uh, for you, um, a journey for you. I mean, you crushed it. Six schools, six acceptances, tons of scholarships, tons of interviews. I mean, you were amazing. Um, and it's not over. Now you're talking to these MBBs even before you go to school. So recruiting starting super early. So you know, it's just the beginning of the journey for you, but I think it's been a really cool journey so far, and I have loved to watch it and be a part of it. Thank you so much for everything that you have done to me. I'm so grateful, and I'm so glad that I meet you. Otherwise, I don't know where I am right now, and maybe don't do an MBA at all, or maybe just starting do it all again this year or something. Ah, oh, I know. That's the most... I mean, thank you so much for that, but that's the worst outcome, right? I mean... People think the worst outcome is just go to the school, the one school you applied to. But if you were just going to Cambridge, that would not be the end of the world. But like you said, you could not get into Cambridge. That is a possible outcome. But the worst outcome, because we do have those people, are people that have to do it all over again because they worked with somebody else. They, it didn't go well. And they're, oh, one of the guys we're working with, 750 GMAT, amazing guy, got into no schools with another company. And his girlfriend left. So his girlfriend's a year ahead of him now. And I'm like, oh, I, I mean, it just breaks my heart. You know what I mean? Um, and I mean, I part of me is like, well, we met you too late. But then the other part of me is at least we met, you know? So I mean, obviously we're gonna fix it. But yeah, uh, this process, you only wanna do it once for sure. <laughs> Even if it goes really well, you only wanna do it once. So, um, so you only had to do it one time, you did it kind of in a hurry, but you also did it completely. You know, I don't think we took any shortcuts. Uh, we had the capacity, Nick had the capacity that we don't ever go over capacity. Um, and so you did everything. It's not like you did less than the people that were with us for a year. You just did it all in a very short time span. Um, and it worked. So super happy for you um, and thrilled to have this conversation. It's such a wonderful bow to put on the season uh, for me. Uh, emotion, Like I said, we get so emotionally invested that this kind of emotional feedback and positivity really keeps us motivated too. So thank you for taking the time and, and telling your story. Uh, it helped me to you know, feel good about the experience, but I know it helped all of our listeners a lot as well. So really inspiring story, very helpful story. Thank you so much as well. I hope that my story will help someone listening to it right now. I guarantee it will. So, um, and I will keep you posted when people reference this podcast and say, oh, I listened to Earthy's thing and she said this. So I promise you are changing lives. It is super cool. So, um, but I will let you go. I, I know this has turned into a, a very long two-parter, but thank you so much. Uh, for being with me today. For the listeners out there, thank you for sticking with us. Um, but hopefully you got a really good insight into a very 
what I would call a unique experience from our perspective, the one school to six schools. Um, but there are probably a lot of friends out there, a lot of people out there that that have tried to just do the one school. And Earthy is a great example of of how difficult that can be and how you can fix it. So um, awesome story. And thank you again, Earthy. And thank you to all of our listeners. Mm-hmm.